everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 243 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking about the idea of enough. How do we know if we're doing enough? A lot of times we think that we are doing enough, but when we don't get the results that we want or when we start looking around us at what other people are doing, we often start to question, are we doing enough? As you can tell by the title of the episode, you probably are. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to give a shout out to our listener, Lauren, who sent us the sweetest email last week um, about how much she loves the podcast and how it's really helped her to, like, she's taken the things that she's learned on the podcast and applied them to her running, and it has really transformed both her running and her life. And when I get stories like that, it just makes my heart so full. It makes me know that, you know, what we're doing here matters. So Lauren, thank you so much. I just wanted to give you a public shout out and a public thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to send us that email. It really did mean so much to us. And inspired a whole episode. Yes, it did. Because I was thinking about, you know, some of the things that she was writing in in her email and, you know, without giving away too much of that, um, it was very much like the stories that we hear from a lot of runners of just people that think that they need to keep pushing, keep doing more. If they want to improve, they just have to run more and do more. And I think this is a mentality that's common in a lot of runners. And so really, I wanted to do an episode that was just helping you you all understand that in all likelihood, you are doing enough. And in a lot of situations, you may even be doing too much, and it might be beneficial for you to pull back a bit. Right. I mean, that's one of the issues inside of running is if you don't get the PR. You, you mentioned this at the beginning. If you don't hit a PR, a lot of people look at their training and think, what else can I add to it? What could I do that mm-hmm. I could put a little bit more into it, that I could up the intensity, that I could up the mileage? Maybe I could do some more strength training. The answer to most things is always adding additional things onto it as though more is necessarily going to be the fix. Right. And sometimes that's true, right? Sometimes you do need to add things. It depends on you and your situation and what's going on. But in a lot of cases, you might need to pull back, right? So this is why, this is where it can kind of be tricky. And this is where, you know, it doesn't, always fit the same for every single individual the same running plan does not work the same way for every single person and if the two different people follow the same training plan they will probably get totally different results right so this is why it's so important for you to customize your training for you so that you can understand what that training load should look like for you to get the best results because like if you just take kevin and i for example we have very different training loads. I run much less than Kevin does. And that's because we're very different runners. We get enjoyment from different things in our running. We have different body types where I tend to respond better to lower mileage plans. Kevin tends to respond better to higher mileage plans. Now, I say that having never really been on a high mileage plan, (laughs) but that's also because I have no desire to go on a high mileage plan. So if I were to go onto a high mileage plan, I probably would lack a little bit of enjoyment. And I'm just making assumptions here. I mean, we don't know what's going to, what would actually happen, but I know that in some of the, you know, training cycles where I have had higher mileage, 
it's not that I disliked it, but it's just, I can tell differences in my body. Yeah, it's not as enjoyable. It's not getting you to the same end result that you're, you're necessarily shooting for. Maybe you hit a PR, but it's one of those things where you hit a PR, but not necessarily in the way that you wanted to. You're not feeling the way that you wanted to. You're not experiencing the whole training cycle was not necessarily enjoyable well and that's where i think it's very important for us to keep in mind that it's not always about the pr like the pr or the pb that is not the most important thing and for those of you that follow me on instagram you will see one heck of a dancing video that i just put up it's amazing today <laughs> so if you want to if you want to get a good laugh you guys should head over to instagram at real life runners and hit follow and check out some of the little videos I make. I saved it. I had to. I oh, you did? Yes. Yeah, oh, phenomenal. it was that good? Yeah, it's phenomenal. Oh, that's what I'm saying now. I just have fun making them. So, you know, running is one of those things that is both easier and harder than it seems, which is the fun paradox of running. Yeah, I mean, running seems remarkably easy. Once you look at, like, toddlers, they get past the, like, standing stage. They just take off and run. Yeah, like kids, they run everywhere. Kids run all over the place. And, and they like, fall down and get back up and keep going. Right, but they just keep running. And yeah. you're like, oh, well, running's pretty simple. Look, that little kid is running. I should be able to go outside and go run. And then as adults, we all get up and we go out and run. And we're like, oh, man, that hurts and that's sore and that's achy. Kids just get up and run. Yeah, so, but I don't think anybody really looks at a toddler and be like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. But I should go run three miles today. But it seems so <laughs> simple because little kids can do it. Like, I know, they but don't have, have you to, ever like, seen a little kid's running form? I mean... Come on, they're like shuffling out there, so... Fair enough, they're shuffling or their legs are flailing all over the place. <laughs> or their arms. I've never, I've never like yelled at the kids in our neighborhood to refine their running form. Maybe I should start doing that. I'll set up the chair in the front. <laughs> you could be like the old crotchety running coach in the this front yard. Yeah, this isn't like, hey, hey kid, get off my lawn. This is, hey kid, come over here, we got some running drills we for you. We have to fix your form. <laughs> we need some high knees and then we'll do some marching. <laughs> we'll work on your cadence. <laughs> no right. one will talk to me. Right, but like you say, you know, it is one of the natural things that we as humans as two-leggers do very early on in our life right like we we crawl we walk we run like this is how um, it progresses but then on the other hand if you look at it there are thousands of books and magazines and podcasts that are all devoted to running and coaching, which makes it seem more complicated. Maybe that we don't really know what we're doing and that we have to find an expert to help teach us what to do with our running. So it both seems very simple and also very complicated. Right. And depending on what book, if you ever tried to pick up one of the running coaching books, some of them it seems as though they go out of their way to make the process sound far more complicated, mm -hmm. which I think is often led by the person writing the book trying to make themselves seem even more intelligent. Yeah. Whereas some of the books are very user-friendly. They're like, oh, you kind of just, you know, run a little bit harder at sometimes, which may be oversimplifying it, but there's the simplified books, the ones that are like, hey, these are some general training principles. I find those to be super, super useful. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, right? Running is not the easiest thing in the world to figure out if you really want to improve. There are actual methods and training principles and things that you need to keep in mind if you want to improve your running. But on the other hand, it's also not the most complicated thing in the world. And like we've talked about on the podcast before, a lot of times coaches are just doing things and trying things and experimenting um, different methodologies or different types of training with different runners. 
And then the science is kind of trying to figure out why that works. Yes, that happens all the yeah, time. Like it goes backwards almost, right? But it kind of brings us to the Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, that is present in pretty much everything in our life, right? Which basically says that the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Right. This is like the danger of first starting to kind of understand the the intricacies of running and how to improve as a runner. You gain just a little bit of information and you're pretty sure that that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. You get a little bit of knowledge and you're like, all right, now I know exactly what to do with this. And then you get a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more and you start thinking, oh shoot, I don't know anything. It, that that's kind of the Dunning-Kruger summed up in a nutshell, essentially. Is. Yeah, but, and that's a lie also, right? Like, right. It, it's basically, Dunning-Kruger is, is basically the experts in any given field think that they don't know as much as they know also, right? right? Like, we both um, think that we... When you are a novice in the field, you think that you know more than you actually do. And when you're an expert, you think that you know less than you actually do. Right. And since many people, especially if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you've read a couple of like running books, you got a running magazine, you read the like, you know, all the tips inside of the magazines. We take in all of this knowledge. And so a lot of us end up in the middle area where you've got a lot of knowledge and you're trying to figure out how do I put it all together? And when you have some understanding of this, one of the dangerous things that happens is trying something out and getting a result, we're pretty sure that those two things coming together is actually a cause and effect. Mm. Whereas it's not necessarily a causation, it could just be that those two things happen. There could be just correlation going on. Those two things happened to go together. Yeah, and that's like one of the dangers of understanding a little bit, but feeling so confident in your knowledge that you're like, well, this is obviously the, the way that it's supposed to be. Yes. And then on the other hand, there's that danger of like starting to understand how much you don't understand and then doubting how much you actually know. Yes. Right? And so like this is that's where that paradox kind of comes in. Yeah. Every time you learn a new system, you're like, oh, shoot. Well, everything I learned must have been completely wrong. And it's it's not true. Right. It's not true. All of the different studies are all correct. And some of them do, in fact, directly contradict each other. Mm-hmm. because they're studying different groups and they're making different adaptations and right. it gets a little interesting. Uh, this... I mean, we've seen a lot of that lately. Oh, you yeah. know, like in the last two years with scientific research that's been coming out for all sorts of different things, not it just running. Sometimes contradicts itself. Sometimes Previous studies. Right, and that doesn't mean that that previous study was completely wrong it just showed a different thing based on the information at that time yes so for runners this kind of gets compounded even more with new runners that start picking up bits and pieces of information because the thing is with new runners you can throw most training plans at them and you're going to start seeing improvements Mm -hmm. some may get more improvements some may get less but you're going to get new new runners to improve as long as you don't get new runners hurt Mm -hmm. like there's a joke amongst high school coaches is how do you improve the freshman and the answer is however you want right that's the anything yeah and we we tell people that even too like we say our job is for you not to get hurt like it's our job as the coach not to overtrain you because as a new runner you're going to improve just naturally yes and then you're going to think we're amazing which i mean hey if you want to think we're amazing fantastic right but we just have to like not screw it up. Like with new runners, with our freshman runners and those kinds of things. Like if you throw tons of mileage at a new runner, especially the kids that we coach in high school that are still going through puberty and their bodies are developing and they're growing and all these things. If you throw too much at those kids, you're going to injure them, right? That's how you get that wrong. If you're just smart about the level of training and the training load that you give to them, they're just naturally going to improve because 
they're doing a new thing. They're, you know, training it with a new stimulus. Right. If you don't take crazy risks and open up the possibility of injury extensively, you're going to, to win. Or you could go the different coaching philosophy, which is the like 100 eggs at a wall and mm-hmm. figure out which one doesn't crack. And that's your prize runner. Well, I mean, if you have that, that big of a pool where you have 100 runners on your team, maybe you have the ability to go with that philosophy. Sure. Crank up the volume on everybody and whoever right. can get through to the end of the season, that person may be a superstar or they may hate running. Right. And that's, you know, we coach against other teams that do this, that like have told us that they, that they do this. And in my opinion, this is sad. Like, like Kevin said, you might have someone that does join the cross country team that maybe can't, their body can't handle that load. Maybe they're not destined to be the next superstar in the running world but maybe they would have just really enjoyed running maybe they and I think that they'll probably hopefully at some point come back to it down the road you know like um when they are an adult or just want to run for fun for themselves maybe they'll catch you dancing on Instagram and be like yes I can be a runner (laughs) I can I have those dance moves also no one else has those dance moves those were phenomenal thank you and you know they're not your dance moves so no no one needs to see video of my dance moves I think everybody needs to see so yes and if if you would like to see some of Kevin's dance moves in a reel in a video on Instagram you should definitely comment under my dancing video and if we get enough comments then maybe Kevin will do one for us if we get 10 separate comments of people asking for me to dance. 10 separate comments. 10 separate comments. Okay, guys, that is not a lot. Let's get, let's make this happen. Then you're going to, oh God, you're going to film me dancing, aren't you? This sounds like fun. Great. All right. Back to the episode. <laughs> so what are we talking about now? All right. So this really dives into what we kind of opened with is sometimes logic does not necessarily lead to the best foundational training principles. It makes good logical sense that running harder will get you faster. It makes good logical sense that running more miles will improve your endurance. But both of those ignore a key aspect of training which is you can't actually get faster. You can't actually improve your endurance just by doing the hard things and the more things. You also have to rest. There needs to be the rest and recovery portion following the hard work, following the longer runs. Mm -hmm. If you completely ignore all the rest and recovery, you just break yourself. Right, and this is why, like easy running and recovery are two of our top principles inside our training academy and what we love to coach runners on because it is during the periods of rest and easy runs and recovery that our body is actually making those gains. And so even though it makes logical sense that pushing harder and doing more should lead to improvement, oftentimes it doesn't. Oftentimes it just leads down the road to injury, burnout, not enjoying running, a lot of, you know, mediocre lackluster results right it often it leads to the plateau you get stuck and you're like i trained i got to this level and then i pushed even harder and my pr didn't get any better which doesn't make sense i ran the same time and so then people double down on it Mm -hmm. they're like okay so i was doing like two hard workouts a week then i upped it and i was doing three hard workouts a week plus my long run maybe i should do four really hard workouts a week plus a long run Mm -hmm. now you actually start getting slower because your body's not just not making the adaptations from the hard days it's now getting actually progressively worse because you're overtraining your body you're just breaking it down and it never gets a chance to even get back to baseline mm-hmm. yeah and this actually reminds me of the book that i'm currently reading um, Brene brown's new book atlas of the heart and this is a perfect example of 
the the idea of cognitive dissonance, right? So we think that pushing harder should make us faster, that pushing harder and doing more should lead to improvements. And even when we see evidence that it's not leading to improvements, when we see that we're getting injured or that we're not making the progress that we want, a lot of people tend to double down. Oh, well, maybe I'm not maybe I'm just not pushing hard enough, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe I'm just not doing enough. Maybe if I'm just, I did did this much more, but maybe if I did a little bit more than that, then I would actually make the progress. Yeah, I I didn't increase enough. I definitely increased, but I didn't increase enough. This is like the summary of my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. My coach had been telling me for years, Brown, you go too fast on your easy days. Just, you have to run with your teammates. I don't care how fast they're going. Just go out and run with your teammates. Don't go run on your own because you take off too fast. Mm -hmm. And all cross country season, I was like, yeah. I mean, I know that you're like a multiple California coach of the year and you've got numerous state titles, but I'm pretty sure at 17, I know more than you. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to push really, really hard every single day. Yeah. And I, I never PR'd my senior year. Right. Right. And that's what happens though. Like we have this idea and this is how powerful our brains are, right? We have an idea in our heads and for a lot of us, it is this, this do more mentality, right? No pain, no gain. Doing more should lead to more improvements. And so even though we have evidence that's showing us that this is not true, we just have our brain is just so convinced that this is the path that it's very hard to see any other thing and so even when new evidence is presented to us our brain's like yeah no like we we, we don't that doesn't fit with what we currently believe so we're just going to reject it we're going to ignore it a lot of times it's one of those situations where it like goes in one ear and right out the other because yep. it doesn't match with what we already believe and this is what our brain does our brain likes to filter things out so anytime you get new information so if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast and what we're saying doesn't really make sense your brain is taking this information And it's comparing it to everything that you already know and believe. And if it doesn't match up, your brain's like, yep, nope, they're wrong. You know, and like you automatically can lose faith in whatever it is that you're reading or listening to because it's not matching with what your brain is saying. Right. If you are currently listening and you fully believe that training faster and harder all the time is the correct answer, you probably still have this rolling, but you stopped listening five minutes ago. Right, but if you're the kind of person that has suffered from injury and not making the progress you want, and we're here telling you the reason that that's happening is because you believe that pushing harder all the time or continuing to just push harder and do more, that's what's leading to your lack of progress. Maybe you are just going to take a pause, right? Maybe just, you'll just a pause. Just take a pause to consider it like, huh, okay, well, what I'm currently doing isn't working. Now, you have two options, right? You have the option to double down, right? And to continue to push harder and see where that's going to get you. But if you've already been doing higher mileage and doing more speed workout and doing all of the things and you haven't gotten the results that you wanted, wouldn't it be interesting 
to seek something a little bit different and see if that might get you better results. Just pausing so that you can take some awareness about what's going on in your training and what the results actually are and whether you're getting to where you want. Are you actually progressing in the direction you want? Are you enjoying the process along the way? Mm -hmm. These are kind of important things to stop every once in a while and, and just take notice of. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's one of the issues that comes up where you're trying to apply logic and it seems like you should just keep pushing harder. One of the other things that happens that kind of goes along with understanding just a little bit is taking in information from anecdotes that you hear. These could come from, you know, the the article on some particular Olympic level runner. Maybe you saw somebody post a thing on social media about the workout they did. Maybe you saw a TikTok. Perhaps you saw a TikTok that had some cool music in the background and dancing that was nowhere near as good as Angie's, <laughs> but it had cool music. And so you're like, oh, well, that's clearly the workout that I need to be doing. That's the magic workout because it worked for the person in the video. It mm-hmm. worked for the person in the article. It worked for that. The problem is that it worked for that person, but that person's not you. So it may or may not actually work for you. Right. And so anecdotes are fine. And like Kevin said, if you want to see them as an experiment of like, huh, okay, that worked for that person. I wonder what would happen if I tried it. Fantastic. Right? Like, like Kevin said, it might work for you to do whatever that thing was. It might not. Right. But the problem is when we see it as a direct cause and effect relationship like oh that person did this one thing and then got this one result it's like you know we we always talk about there's not one perfect workout right there's people that um there's examples of people workouts that people think are perfect workouts like yasso 800s right yes they're the only thing you can use to predict a marathon time right if you do that (laughs) workout and if you hit the workout at this exact pace then this is the marathon time that you're going to have and we all know it just doesn't work that way. Bart Yasso has come out and repeatedly said right. that's not even how the workout was designed. It right. wasn't designed to be predictive. It was designed to go the other direction. It was it, it, The workout's basically being used backwards now, and he's kind of annoyed that his name is attached to it. But at least it's a solid enough workout. It's just not exactly cause and effect. Right, and, and that's the thing. is like So when we understand that there are overarching yeah. training principles that do generally apply but there are always outliers to those things. Oh, and yeah. you might be one of the outliers or you might totally apply to the general training p- principle and whoever you saw was an outlier, either in the good sense or the bad sense. But most likely if you're seeing it on social media or in an article, it's probably talking about the good sense. Right. So to whatever training principle you've got, there are people who are like normal responders. Then there's like super responders and then there's like under responders. So some people, you know, they were like, hey, why don't during the week you spend some amount of time working at like your 5k race pace and you just sprinkle that in and some people massively improve their ability to run at 5k race pace and other people just feel beat up and exhausted after that workout they gain like no benefits from it and not only are they not gaining physical benefits but it's like deter like it's it's a detriment to all future mm-hmm. workouts after that one yeah it's giving them negative benefits right and other people are just like oh yeah i'm going to continue my gradual improvement because I I threw in another variety of workout in there. So if someone posts a particular workout and they're like, I did this workout for a month straight, once a week for a month, and I dropped three minutes off my 5K time, it seems like you found the magic pill. But you didn't necessarily find the magic pill. You found that person's magic pill, which is not necessarily yours. 
All right. One of the other things inside of this whole like using anecdotes is if you're not physically prepared for the the volume and the intensity of somebody else's workout, it might just break you. Yeah, that's true. Because you don't know what their running foundation looks like, right? You don't know how many years they've been running. You don't know what their mileage base is. Like if you just see a workout that they do and and post on social media or on Strava and you're like, oh, that looks like a fun workout. I think I'm going to do that. You have no idea if your foundation has resembles their running foundation in any way right other than the fact that you are both runners yes right like so their body they might have been building up they might have you know had a uh, an entire base building cycle where they were just doing a ton of easy mileage and now they're doing some speed work right that they can now use that huge base that they've built to now refine and do speed work. But if you haven't built that same base, your body's not going to respond to the speed work in the same way. Could you still get benefits? Totally. Could it completely break you and injure you? Possibility. We don't know, right? And that's the danger of just following what other people are doing without following a training plan that's customized to you. Because your workout needs to be hard enough for you to push your limit a little bit. Right, a little bit, a little bit, not someone else's limit. It doesn't matter what that person's doing. Like, if I were to try to do some of Kevin's workouts, I would break in like the first five to ten minutes. Like, it's just not. I can't hit the paces that he hits. I can't do the same workouts. We don't have the same mileage base. We don't have the same body or the same goals or any of that. Right, but my workouts they need to be hard enough for me to push my limit a little bit. Right, but. At the same time, they can't, I can't base my workouts on this like imaginary limit, right? They have to actually push my current limit, not some limit that I wish that I had. Yes. Like in an ideal world, like I would love to run, you know, a 145 half marathon, say, right? Like if that's your goal or 130 half marathon. So I'm going to do a workout as if I'm a 130 half marathoner. Like that's probably not a good idea for me. Yeah, it's certainly, you can't do that with a lot of consistency. No. You know, one of the big... I mean, could I hit one workout? Maybe. Yeah. You know, like I could push that limit that one time, possibly. Like, would it hurt? I'm guessing yes. Right, and your that workout is also essentially going to be your race. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to stack workouts, as you really kind of should do in like a, a full-blown training plan building up to a race, you stack quality workout after quality workout after easy run after easy run. You just keep building all of these blocks to get to the final thing. If you go out and you're hitting a workout, and at the end of it you feel as exhausted as though you just went all out for the full distance of your race, that workout was too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a good kind of overarching coaching philosophy that I've heard from many, many successful coaches, which is athletes should finish the workout knowing that they could have done one more. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a long run, oh yeah, I could have gotten another mile, or a uh, you know, set of quarters, I could have done one more set if I had to. Mm-hmm. I could have done another mile repeat if I needed to. I really did, wouldn't want to. It would have hurt a lot, but I yeah. could have done it if I needed to. Yeah, yeah, because in in our workouts, in our training cycle, we should not be like you know, like you say sometimes, going to the well all the time, right? right. Like you should feel like when you do a workout, it challenges you, it pushes you up close to that limit or maybe even a little past that limit but you're not you know trying to go leaps and bounds beyond that limit and break through into some imaginary place where you've never been before right just to try and justify yourself as though you're 
you're good enough. Here's yeah. here's a quick news flash. You are in fact good enough and fast enough right now. Yeah. You don't have to hit a workout that you saw somebody else post on Instagram. Right, and I think that that's where a lot of us get it wrong also, you yeah. know, and I say us because I know I've fallen into this trap also. Like I did that today. Oh yeah? I definitely went way too hard on my workout today. Why? Uh I get thrown on wind way more than I should. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, oh, I'm going into a headwind. So this is naturally going to feel harder. But that means I need to slow down if I'm trying to hit L5. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, well, it's automatically going to feel harder. So it's okay if it feels a little bit harder than level five. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. This is the glory of being able to train with effort. If you're going into a headwind, you just slow down. So it actually still feels like level five. Yeah. But I decided that I was going to push for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really know why, but I was pushing and yeah. by the end of it, I, I finished it and I did the workout. I feel fine. I didn't push so far above and beyond into like really stupidly doing things, but I pushed harder than I was aiming for today, mm -hmm. which means I'm going to adjust to the workout that I'm going to do on Friday now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. And it's, it's good that you recognize that and that you're able to make those adjustments. But a lot of times we just push really hard and don't always make those adjustments. And then they, we just end up tired all the time. And I know I have definitely fallen into that trap recently as well. <laughs> like it, this isn't something that you just like get over one day and never do again. Like we're runners and by our natural, by our nature, we are competitive types of people, especially with ourselves, right? But the key is not setting some goal for yourself that and thinking that when I achieve that goal, then it will be enough. Then I'll then I'll be good enough. Then I'll be a runner. Then I can actually be proud of my running. Then I can actually brag to my running friends about it when I hit this arbitrary number on a clock or yep. this arbitrary distance on my watch or this arbitrary leaderboard on Strava. Yep. Right? Like there are all these things that we do and I think they're fantastic in some ways. Like they're great for motivation. They're great to kind of challenge ourselves to do new things. There's a lot of good things about them. But when we use them against ourselves, that's where it gets really, really dangerous. And that's why effort-based training and having a plan that's customized to you is so important because when you're constantly comparing yourself to other people or you're trying to take on training loads or do workouts just because your friends are doing them, even though your body may or may not be prepared for that thing, even though you, well, I shouldn't say even though, but also keeping in mind that you might be thinking that that's going to prove something to yourself, you know, that that's going to make you feel good enough. That's going to finally make you feel like a runner. I have a newsflash. It won't, okay? Even if you hit that thing, there's going to be some other thing that you find that will be a reason that you don't feel proud of yourself. Maybe you, you could have gone faster. Oh, well, I hit my goal, but I bet I could have gone a little bit faster. Or that person still beat me. Or, you know, the guy in the banana suit beat me. Even though I was I hit my PR, I still was beat by, like, that old guy over there. The guy in the banana suit is almost every single time on full scholarship from the local college. Right. Like, that kid is, like, a D1 athlete wearing a banana costume. Well, it's like Molly Seidel, who, like, ran in her turkey costume on Thanksgiving. She's 
get the world record for what is it fastest 10k in a turkey costume yeah it's something i think it's a 10k i think it's a 10k yeah it's crazy fast and you're like well man i got beat by the crazy girl in the turkey costume then you look again you're like oh i got beat by an olympic bronze medalist okay i I think i'm gonna be okay with myself okay with that but some people like they just keep setting the bar higher like i know this the idea of effort-based training combined with a customized plan because I follow a bunch of like professional athletes online because I, f- I like seeing their workouts as inspiration of, hey, what are they trying to get out of that workout? Yeah. I like to see what they're trying to get and out. breaking it down. Right. Rather than say, hey, what was their workout? Let's see if I can do the same thing. Yeah. That's super, super dangerous. So you combine like what was the point of their workout with what would that workout look at my effort levels and put those things together with the confidence that I don't have to do their exact workout at their intensities in order to be that the, the quality of runner that I want to be. I am currently the quality of runner that I want to be, and I can still strive to improve that quality. Yeah, and I think that like I really want to circle back to that point as well because it's like you are currently good enough – right where you are and you also are exactly where you're supposed to be I think that a lot of us get it in our heads that we're not where we want to be or we're not where we should be that that should again right Mm -hmm. Uh, I always I've been I always tell the athletes in our program like stop shooting all over yourself yes right like I do love that line because it's hilarious it's really funny and it's so true like we use this word should because we think that it's motivating we think that you know like we're telling ourselves that like well i should be doing this thing and but really what should is is the word could or would covered in a layer of shame Ooh, boom did you steal that from brene probably no, I don't, oh. <laughs> covered in a layer of shame seems like you may or have stolen brooke. that from brene brown <laughs> no, or brooke um my my other coach but you know it's one of those things that you know because it's the sh Yes, I know, but it's fine because I'm sure we're related to Brene Brown, so it's going to be okay. I don't think, you know, she always talks about shame, but I don't think, um, I don't know if I got that line or if I made it up somewhere, but I've definitely adopted it. I hope you did because it was brilliant. I adopted it as my own for sure. All right, it's all Angie's line. She invented that line. I am not taking credit for that, (laughs) so if it is your copyrighted line. (laughs) But, like, it's one of those things that, you know, like I just said before, if you have this idea in your head of, of some time or some distance, you know, oh, once I run a marathon, then I'll be a runner. Or once, once I run a half marathon or whatever it is, you already are good enough right now. And you are already doing enough for where you are right now. What you Where you are right now is a result of everything that you've done up until this point. And I think it's really important for us to start noticing that and appreciating that, honoring that part of ourselves and, and being grateful for that, right? Like being grateful for the journey that we've had up until this point. But at the same time, understanding that we can be 100% good enough right now and also strive to get better. We can continue to strive for more improvement. Being good enough and being happy and content and grateful for where we are right now does not mean that we need to stay there. It means that we can appreciate the journey that we've been on. We don't have to shame ourselves. We don't have to feel guilty because we've done things that maybe we shouldn't have done or maybe things that have gotten us the results that we 
didn't really want or that we hadn't hoped for, like those were all just lessons along the way. So if we can appreciate those lessons for getting us to where we are right now, then say, okay, I'm, I'm, I can be grateful for all of it. I can be happy. I can be, know that I'm good enough right now. And still I try to get more. Yes. Try to still get better. All right. So you went real deep on the personal you are good enough on the episode of you're doing enough to kind of keep moving forward on like a practical sense on this one. And don't get me wrong, super important to understand that you are good enough before you try and, and reach for greater improvement because you can't actually improve from a point of not liking yourself. It is a terrible spiral. But sometimes to try to improve, we start looking up new ways that new workouts, new strength training, new different things that we can do to try to improve our training, to try and add things to our training schedule. We start reading all these things and suddenly we've got various requirements that we need in the training plan we're creating for ourselves. Suddenly we've created this massive checklist of all the things that we have to do to be successful in our current, like whatever our next running goal is to get to that goal i have to do this 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 and this and i have to fit them all into my seven day week yeah and the problem with this is that when we start doing this it becomes more of a burden right training becomes a burden this is where we start to hear people say like i don't have enough time to fit everything in yep and it's really important for us to remember that training is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be a burden. And it's really helpful (laughs) sometimes to remind ourselves that this is a hobby, (laughs) right? Like for, I would say pretty much anyone listening to this podcast, running is a hobby. It doesn't have to be a burden. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something that's bringing joy into your life. Yeah. We probably don't have a lot of sponsored athletes listening to us right now. You never know. I mean, if we do, that's awesome. Um, But Yes, you're right. It's a hobby. At the end of the day, if you don't go get your long run in, no one's going to be like, well, now we're going to have to cut your contract. Like that's right. probably not happening to most of our, our listenership right. here. You're not getting that bonus this, this month. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Well, you didn't, you didn't hit the uh, Olympic A standard. So no, we're going to drop you from our, our, you know, clientele. Right. And so if you are looking at your training and you're trying, I mean, good for you that you're trying to learn more and you're trying to improve yourself. That is a beautiful thing, right? But when you're like, oh, well, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. And all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, there are so many things that I need to do to improve. All of a sudden our brains are like on high alert. They're on what overwhelm and then they just shut down okay because that's what our brains do it's a protective mechanism when our brains are feeling overwhelmed by too much information they just shut it down and we just kind of freeze right this kind of then leads the idea of if every single thing around you is is the most important thing that means that none of them are important Mm -hmm. which is why we don't bother doing any of them everything around you, all of the things that can go into your training plan can't be the most important part of the training plan. You have to figure out what is your actual goal, what are the requirements that are most important to help you achieve that goal, and what are the lower priorities on that list, kind of stack them, and then in your training plan, give some focus to the higher priorities. You know, if you've run a half marathon, you want to run a full marathon, one of your priorities is going to need to be increasing that volume, but another one is making sure you increase some strength so you can get to the volume right you know along the way you're like okay but i know i also need to make sure that i've got my nutrition and my mobility and things you're gonna have to be able to take a step back maybe and don't get me wrong mobility and the recovery is super important but 
if you have to, if you're freaking out about trying to increase your mileage and your mobility, it's probably going to be okay if you're feeling good to go in and get the extra five to 10 minutes on your run to increase volume. And if you're feeling sore, it's going to be more important to take the five to 10 minutes off of your run to increase your mobility on that day. Yeah. Like you have to know all of the things that need to need to go into the whole plan but on an every single week basis you can kind of tweak your priorities Mm -hmm. depending on how your body's currently feeling yeah that's a very good point and that's why like it's important for you to have like we what we like to call a training method like it's not just about a training plan where you have like this is on monday and this is on tuesday and this is on wednesday like that is good and a training plan is definitely important but when you have a training method like what we teach inside the real life runners training academy we have pillars right of like this it like nutrition is important recovery is important um, effort levels and pacing your mindset like we have these overarching principles and like kevin said depending on how you're feeling and depending on the results that you're getting you might need to wait more towards one area than another and this is also why the concept of training cycles is so important you know there might be a training cycle where you're training for a race where it might be more important for you to get those miles in and to also focus on the recovery and a little bit less on the strength training where you might have base building cycles and strength building cycles where you're really focusing on the strength and less on the mileage, right? So that's why training cycles can be so um, important and so useful because you can stack them on top of each other. You can spend one cycle building strength, right? Like Kevin was saying, you can't completely neglect strength, but when you're in a marathon training cycle, you should not be trying to build strength. You should be trying to maintain the strength that you have. And you, you are slightly building it, right? Because as you're building mileage, you do need to kind to build the strength of your muscles to um, handle that training load, right? So you are still building strength just in a different way. Like you're, you should not be using like super heavy weights with the intent of building muscle, right? Yes. Like that belongs in a different training cycle than your race training cycle. Or maybe it, it's okay early in the race training cycle, but within the month of the race, you're definitely going to want to be pulling back a bit on the intensity of those strength workouts. Yeah, that's that's a good one too. Like you can work on building some some higher weight training yes. if that's your thing and you enjoy that thing. You can put that into the marathon training. Just realize with marathon training volume, you're also not going to get bulky and and mm-hmm. build up muscle mass. It's right. those two things are working against each other. They don't yeah, they don't they don't complement each other well. Um, but you know, like you pointed out, this is why you need to have very clear goals and a purpose to whatever length training cycle you have in our academy. We like to work on 90 day training cycles, but you can also stack these 90 day cycles on top of each other and be like, all right, so I'm going to put this one to this one, to this one, to this one. Suddenly you've got a full year training plan figured out. And sometimes you don't need a full 90 day cycle either, right? Like there are sometimes people come in and we'll do like uh, a month after like a race where we'll do like a down cycle, a recovery cycle for 30 to 60 days where we really cut mileage back and allow that body to really recover before getting into the next cycle, right? Or we do like a 60 day strength building cycle because of the timeline of when the race is and that, you know, race has already been scheduled. We can kind of adjust, but we can still have those clear goals for those specific cycles and work in those blocks of time. Excellent. All right. 
right, finally, inside the idea of are you doing enough? Ah, one of the biggest challenges as runners is knowing when you need to push and when you need to pull back because it's complicated and it you might be literally doing the same training cycle from one year to the next. You're like, I did this cycle and I felt fine. So I should probably be able to do the same cycle, maybe push a little bit harder. And yet from somebody's outside perspective, they might be like, yeah, but your life is very different this year. Like yeah. last year, you didn't have the one-year-old. Last year, you didn't have the teenager. Like the intensity of dealing with the 10-year-old versus the 12-year-old might be different impacts on you. Yeah. And that's why, you know, sometimes the outside perspective of like someone else, like a coach or a training partner or a spouse that happens to be a coach and, a, you know runner really good runner is very very helpful or or a doctor of physical therapy or that. what i tell people all the time like how do you run so much without pain like i married the physical therapist <laughs> i don't i don't know why more people don't try this trick it's amazing well luckily though we were together before i even had the idea of becoming a physical therapist so at least i know it wasn't just because I was a physical therapist. No, it was that primarily read. the dance moves. I think was, we all know this. I mean, clearly that is definitely um, where it all where it all began. Yes, in, on that fateful college night. Let's bring it back to the dance moves. <laughs> and the, the fateful college night. Um, so yeah, but I mean, that's it is important to sometimes have someone else that you can talk to, right? That can give you that outside perspective of of looking at your stuff and saying you're doing a lot right now, you know, like maybe it would be helpful for you to just pull back a little bit. And I know that we say this to people that come into our, our training team membership all the time and we're like, you're doing great, but maybe if we just took a little step back, your body would actually recover and you'd be able to improve. You know, I actually had um, a, a coaching client last year that came to me and she wanted to lose weight. And, um, you know, I do some like one-on-one -on -one health coaching outside of like our membership as well. And so, well, actually for the people inside the membership that want to go a little bit deeper, but anyway, I, she came to me and wanted to lose weight. And so I'm like, okay, so tell me what you want, what you typically eat in a day. Uh, yes, and, this she, is good. and she went through and, and she told me for breakfast, I eat this for lunch, this for dinner. And I was like, okay, well, you're probably not going to like hearing this, <laughs> but you're not actually eating enough. And she's like, what? And I'm like, you're not eating enough. You need to eat more to actually support the activity level that you're doing. You're doing all of this running. You're going out on these trail runs on the weekends, like doing all of this um, this training. And what you're eating is not enough to support your body. And that's why you're not losing weight because your body, like there's some crazy things that happen in the body. But it, essentially, if we're not fueling our body well, then even if we're training hard if we're in eating less like our metabolism slows there's all sorts of things that can happen and the same goes here with your training like in some cases in a lot of cases you are doing enough and adding more may or may not help you right but I think that's where the outside perspective of a coach or someone else can be really helpful yes the outside perspective is super helpful and being open and trusting to what that outside source says I really wish I could go back to my senior year high school self and just slap him and be like hey why don't you listen to that guy over there who's yeah. been doing this for the last 25 30 years he really knows what he's talking 
talking about. Mm-hmm. I probably could have been a little bit faster myself. Yeah. So if you guys want an outside perspective, I, I'd be happy to, you know, for you to email me. You can email me at Angie at RealLifeRunners.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram and just give me an idea of like what you're doing. And I'd be happy to let you know, like, you know, that sounds great or that sounds like too much or maybe you could add this. Like little things like that, little tweaks can sometimes make a really big difference. And if you have someone tell you, yeah, you're doing enough. And then you're like, well, why am I still not getting the results that I want? Like there are a lot of things that we can look at that can help you get the results that you want. And that's one of the reasons that coaching is so helpful. Yes. But at the end of the day, the answer really is, is what you're doing right now is, is enough. Right? Because you actually are enough. And so the things that you do as an enough human being is enough. There you go. Now you're the one that take it that took it deep that time. Thank you. Yeah. But I mean, in all likelihood, guys, if you are not making progress, you should probably be doing something differently, right? And that does not mean more. I think that's another good way to sum up this episode is yes. that you do need to make some changes. If you're not making progress, you need to make some changes. But changes does not necessarily mean you need to start adding all these different things. It could be subtracting different things that might be even more helpful to you. So again, if you have any questions, my email box is open or my Instagram DMs are open. Feel free to send me a message. I'd be happy to offer um, my perspective or insight if you have any questions about your running. So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and for joining us today. If you found this episode helpful, we would love it for you to go over to iTunes and leave us a review or share this episode with a friend. Um, And as always, this has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 243. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.